Join me this evening in Romans 15. Romans chapter 15. And let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we gather here this evening, we rejoice. Even as we have just proclaimed through song, we rejoice in the good news that the truth stands unchanged. We rejoice in the hope that you will speak through your word, that the church will triumph, and that you will be glorified. Heavenly Father, even now as we turn our attention to this passage, we pray that you would speak to us through your word, that your spirit would take these truths, that you would plant them deep in us, that through the word of God, that you would challenge us, that you would confront us, that you would mold us, that you would accomplish your purposes this evening. Give me boldness to proclaim the word of God with authority and with clarity so that you are honored in all that is said and done. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to be completely honest. Up until late this afternoon, I wasn't really sure what direction I was going to go tonight. The passage in Daniel that we were going to be in is a very technical passage. It's the passage of the 70 weeks. It's a good passage. I don't know about you, but for me at least, this morning, it's a big chunk of scripture that we bit off. And it was exhausting to walk through that. It was good. But it was exhausting. And, and something so technical uh, as the Daniel 9 passage uh, just didn't feel right. Another thing was last week in our series on one another, our, our theme for the year, we were in Romans 14. And Romans 14 is a very practical passage. And our next passage in our One Another series is this passage in Romans 15, and it follows right on the heels of Romans 14 and ties directly into it. And so all week long, I've been going back and forth about should I, should I instead of just waiting till the first of next month, should I jump into Romans 15? While well, Romans 14 is still fresh on our minds, rather than waiting a whole month in between, should we just jump into it? The more I thought and, and prayed and read this afternoon... I decided to go with Romans 15 this evening. May the Lord work through his word. Romans 15, verses 1 to 7, starts with these words, We then. We then. Right? That then is a connecting word. There's something before that. There is something, a, a, a case that Paul has made that then ties into Romans 15, where he's going. So what is this then? We then. 
Well, it's everything that we saw last week in Romans 14. Based on Romans 14, this is how you ought, ought to act. And what is it that we saw in Romans 14 last week? You may remember Romans 14. It's a passage where we looked at um, the need to be mindful, to keep the main thing the main thing. It's a passage where there's different issues that come up. But it starts with this. Receive the one who is weak in the faith, but not to dispute over doubtful things. Receive him into your midst. Not to dispute, but to edify. We go on to see in verse 19 then. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and things by which one may edify another. It's the idea of the weaker brother and the stronger brother. We talked about how weak is not necessarily a, an issue of spiritual maturity. It's, a spiritual, it's, it's an issue of conscience. There are things where my conscience might be weaker than your conscience. Issues which, which Scripture may not deal with directly. That I'm just not comfortable doing. I'm not comfortable going there. My conscience is not willing to do that. Then I shouldn't do it. A strong brother is not necessarily more spiritually mature. Again, it's a matter of conscience. We see that in Romans 14, 14. I know and am convinced by the Lord. Paul says that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. If you consider it to be unclean, if your conscience struggles with this, then, then it is unclean. Yet, if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. It's a powerful statement. Powerful statement. And so as we walked through Romans 14, last week we saw these things, now we come to Romans 15. We then, based on that, based on this relationship between the weak and the strong, another thing we noted last week is that no point in Romans 14 and that ties into this week. No point in Romans 14 does Paul command the weak to change their stance. They're called weak, and yet from everything that we see in Romans 14, their stance is in accord with Scripture. It's a legitimate place to stand. It's a legitimate opinion to have. And so based on all of that, we then, chapter 15, verse 1, we then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. We ought to bear with the scruples of the weak. The idea of scruples is the idea of weaknesses. These areas of weakness in them where their conscience is weak. Bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. As you work your way through these few verses here in Romans 15, you'll see the application of Romans 14, the example for us, and then the goal. What is the end goal? Why do we do this? And the first thing you see is the application here in the first two verses. We then, based on everything we've just seen in Romans 14, based on these truths that have been laid out, who are strong, we who are strong, ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. 
we who are strong. I don't think there's ever a single person who's ever read this passage and thought, I think I'm the weak one. We all think we're the strong one, do we not? But the reality is there's issues where you might be the strong one and there's issues where you might be the weak one. But bear with one another. Bear with the weaknesses of the weak and not to please ourselves. We who are strong ought not to be seeking to please ourselves. But we ought to be seeking to bear with the scruples, the weaknesses of the weak. Verse 2. Let each of us, both strong and weak, regardless of where you stand, let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. As you come out of Romans 14 and you've seen this conversation between this weak and the strong, how they ought to to relate to each other, to, to welcome each other in, Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. There's that word again, edification. It's the same thing we see in verse 19 of chapter 14. Seeking to edify one another. That is the goal in all of this. It's not not to get what I want, it's to edify Please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. So that's the application. You who are strong, bear with the scruples of the weak. And not to please ourselves. And each of us, whether strong or weak, please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. Now in verse 3 and 4 then, we see an example Paul gives us an example. For even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Christ is the ultimate example of living for the glory of God. Of selflessness. It's a call to imitate the mind of Christ. In the passage, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me comes from Psalm 69.9. It's the idea that, that the reproaches, those who, who hate God Almighty, also hate his servant because they hate the Lord, then they hate Jesus, God incarnate. They hated me because they hate you. It's the extreme example of Christ's commitment to the will of God that challenges us. You might think, well, what does that have to do, right? What does that have to do with the issues which Paul is dealing with in Romans 14 and 15. These issues of drink, these issues of days, these issues of food. What, what does 
Christ being reproached, like God is reproached from those who hate him, what does that have to do with that? I think the reality is that, and, and the point here that Paul is making is, it really has nothing to do with that. It is the extreme nature of Christ's commitment to the will of God. This is not a mis- an issue of food and drink and days. Christ did not please himself. He was approached for the sake of God. And it challenges the petty nature of our disagreements. When you look of what Christ, uh, when you look here in verse three at what Christ did, what He set aside, what He suffered for the sake of the glory of God, it makes the petty disagreements of Romans fourteen seem like nothing. What is food? What is drink? What are these days? He's our example. The ultimate example of one who did not live for himself. Paul uses this example from Psalm 69, verse 4 then. Whatever things were written before were written for our learning. Those things in Scripture, the Old Testament, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. He's defending his use of this Old Testament passage to prove this point. Then you come to verse 5. You have the application. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. You have the ultimate example in Jesus Christ who lived not for himself. And you come to verse 5 and 6 and you have the goal in this. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another. Now may the God of patience and comfort. You see, Paul here recognizes that this mindset of selfishness, selflessness, of seeking the good for my neighbor, of trying to edify him, of setting aside my desires and my wants and, and my rights, Paul recognizes that this mindset is not a natural or easy thing for us. May the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another. We can't do this in our own strength. We need God to do this through us. We need him to work. We need him to change our hearts. To give us an affection for one another. May the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, both strong and weak, like-minded. Not that we have to come to the same conclusion on these issues that we see in Romans 14, but that we have the same focus and the same passion for the gospel. We are like-minded on that one thing that really matters. We are pushing forward for the hope of the gospel, setting all else aside. To this end, verse 6, that you may with one mind and one mouth 
glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, the goal of our unity is not merely practical, but doxological. It's not just about, you know, if we can all set this aside and get along, things will go a lot smoother here. It'll just be easier. It's not about what's easy. It's not about what's smooth. It's about what's right. It's about the glory of God. That you may be with one mind and one mouth. Not so that your meetings can go smoothly, but so that God can be glorified. To the praise and the glory of God alone. That is the goal. When I set aside my right in situations where I am the stronger brother and I set aside my right for the good of my brother and I welcome him in for his good leading to his edification, God is glorified. And that's my goal. The glory of God. See, the focus here, and in in Romans 14 and here in Romans 15, the focus is not on others setting aside their conscience to accommodate my freedom. The focus is on me, in love, joyfully, willingly, setting aside my freedom for the sake of my brother's conscience and for the sake of the gospel and the glory of God. I think so often we approach a passage like Romans 14 and 15. We approach a passage like 1 Corinthians 8. And our mindset is, see, look, these aren't big deals, so you need to get over it. But that's not the mindset we see in Scripture. That's not Paul's point. Paul's point is not... Scripture's not clear on this. It's not a big deal. So you get over it. This is my right. Paul's point is this. That if you are the stronger brother, this is an opportunity not for you to flex your freedom, but to set it aside for the good of your brother and the glory of God. And then you come to verse 7 of of chapter 15. And verse 7 returns all the way back to the language of verse 1, chapter 14. Chapter 14, receive one who is weak. It starts with this command to receive them. How do you receive them? You don't receive them to dispute. You receive them to accept and to edify, to build up the glory of God. And so after all of this, verses 14, chapter 14 into the first six verses of chapter 15, as you come to verse 7 of chapter 15, Paul returns to that. Therefore, receive one another. He goes back to that idea of receive. Bring into your midst, fully accept, not with conditions. Receive one another. With your differences and your diversity. 
Receive one another just as Christ received us. To what? To the glory of God. It's not about your right. It's all about the glory of God. Now as we think about this, We've kind of been talking just generally, strong and weak. But I think, I think we should get pretty practical here. And my purpose is not to be controversial. I don't want to be controversial, believe me. But I think it's good for us to think through this practically. Not just, yes, we should do this, but what does this look like in today's? day and age? What are some of these issues that, that, that might be at this point where there are strong opinions on both sides? And I think there's some things for us to remember, some principles that we see in Romans 14 and Romans 15. First, when Paul says in, in, in Romans 15, verse 5, he says, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded. He recognized that this is, is not our natural mindset. That this is not easy for us. He's right. One of the things that makes Romans 14 and 1 Corinthians 8, one of the things that makes it so difficult is the very thing we see in Romans 14. Right? In verses, uh, chapter 14, verses 22 to 23, chapter 14, verses 5 to 9. In both of these places, Paul encourages them, be fully convinced in your mind. Be fully convinced. So these, these issues that we may not agree on, it's not that we're all kind of just sitting on the fence and we could fall either way. Those on this side are fully convinced, and those on this side are fully convinced. And you can lob scripture at each other all day long, but, but the reality is you've, you've both already looked at that scripture and you've just come to different conclusions. And so when both sides are fully convinced in their mind, both strong and weak, and you've considered the scripture honestly, you've prayed through it, you've labored through it, and you've come to these honest conclusions, It's part of what makes this so difficult. These aren't easy conversations to have because we are both fully convinced. I am convinced that this is the right way to do this. And I am convinced by Scripture that this is the right way. And then Paul says, so get along. It's not that the weak are merely less informed. Both the weak and the strong have wrestled with Scripture on these issues. They've honestly dealt with these. They are fully convinced in their mind, as they should be. But that complicates our conversations and relationships. 
Secondly, remember the goal in verse 14, in chapter 14 and into, into chapter 15. To accept them. It's not to change their mind. And nowhere in here does Paul command the weak, you know, your, your, your stronger brothers, they're, they're kind of getting away. Rope them in. Change their minds. And then nowhere does he tell the stronger, your, your weak are, are, are they, they don't fully understand the gospel. You need to change their minds. The focus is not on changing the mind of the other. It's on accepting and welcoming to the glory of God. Another key thing to note, I think, that the issues that you see raised in, in Romans 14 are not issues, even in 1 Corinthians 8, they're, they're, they're not issues that go contrary to the gospel. They're not issues to which Scripture speaks clearly on. If Scripture speaks clearly on it, you should do what Scripture says. Paul makes that very clear all throughout his ministry in, in Galatians as he confronts Peter. Why? Because he's going contrary to what God has said. In fact, the whole book of Galatians, as he's, as he's going at these Judaizers, he's, he's attacking them. Why? Because they're adding to the gospel. Many of the epistles are, writ, are, are, are written as, as issues have risen up and they're being dealt with. They're issues that, to which God has clearly spoken. Even this morning, as we were uh, in Sunday school looking at the virgin birth, right? that is not an issue on which we can disagree. That is a fundamental. But there are issues, like we see in Romans 14, that creep up in our church, in our circles, in our conversations. Issues to which scripture may not definitively, or does not definitively, speak. So what are some of these issues that, that might come up here? What does this look like here? These are not gospel issues, these are not issues on which scripture has, has clearly given a command. Obviously scripture speaks to each of these, otherwise we wouldn't have opinions on them. Just a couple. And again, I'm not trying to stir up controversy. Right? I just want to have an honest conversation. I just want to work through this. These are some issues that I think we struggle with in the same way that the Romans struggled with. One issue would be the issue of dress at church. I'm not talking about uh, anything that's inappropriate uh, or immodest. But there are those who are convinced 
by principles in scripture that they should dress their best. It's not that they think they have to dress their best to earn God's pleasure. They know that's not how it works. They think that they, that their, their stance is that they should dress up because they see a principle in Scripture. When people approach God, they do it purposefully. They even look at culture. When you go somewhere in our culture and you want to show honor, what do you do? You dress up. They're doing that to show honor. It's not because they think they're earning more of God's love or pleasure. They are fully convinced from principles that they see in Scripture and in life that that is the right way to come to church. And that is a legitimate stance to have. On the other side, you have those who come dressed more comfortably to church. And they are convinced that they are free And the gospel and the New Testament, they are free to do that. And they are convinced that they are doing that to the glory of God. Both sides are trying to glorify God. Neither side starts with, what can I get away with? Both sides have scriptural arguments I start there because I don't feel like that's an issue that we really have in our church. I didn't want to start too controversial. (laughs) I feel like that is an issue where we do a good job of biblically getting along with one another. We have people in our midst who dress up, and we have people in our midst who don't necessarily dress up to the same level. And both of them are doing it for the glory of God. They want to glorify God. They don't want to be rebellious. They're not trying to do that. They want to honor God. Other issues are things like holidays. The very thing we see in Romans 14. I mentioned it last week. There, there's families who celebrate Halloween and there's families who don't. Both of them should be convinced in their mind that they are doing the right thing. Same with Christmas. Or other holidays that, that might have pagan origins. or the, the, There's people, legitimate Christians, who have different stances on those. And that's fine. They're convinced in their minds. They're, they, they are standing on Scripture to the best of their ability. As they look at the principles of Scripture, this is where it leads them. And that's where they stand. And that is fine. Not to get too controversial, vaccines, masks. We have opinions on that, do we not? And I don't think it's that anyone just wants to be, you know, I want to be rebellious, I want to. (laughs) We have stances. And both sides have come to that place based on what they think to be right, looking at the scriptures, uh, principles in scripture to the glory of God. 
These are the conclusions to which they've come, and this is where they stand. And that's fine. Other issues might be things like music. People can come to different conclusions. There are churches in our association, in this area, that if you were to walk into their service, you would have no idea that we were in this part of the same association. And yet we stand on the same gospel. We believe in the same Lord. We have the same baptism. We proclaim the same hope. We differ in practice, but we stand on the same gospel. In fact, there's probably many among us who, in your car, on your way, you might listen to different things than we sing here. And as long as you have come to that conclusion, honestly studying scripture, and you believe that is where God has led you, and that is where you stand to the glory of God, then praise the Lord. That's not something we should be pushing on others. Trying to force them. Another issue is the issue of alcohol. Brothers and sisters look at scripture and come to different conclusions on whether they can drink or whether they can't drink. Now, if you go to this church, our church covenant has a statement on that, and so you kind of have to have a certain stance. But there are brothers and sisters in Christ who, looking at scripture, come to a different conclusion than I have come to, and they stand there to the glory of God, and they think that that, that is, is, is admissible. I think, personally, that scripture makes a strong argument that it is not wise to drink alcohol. And yet I cannot, in good conscience, make an argument that scripture forbids it. I think it's unwise, I think it is foolish, I think it's playing with fire. But it's possible that a brother or sister in Christ looks at the same passages that I look at and comes to a different conclusion. And they do that to the glory of God. They are fully convinced in their mind and that is where they stand. And that's fine. They can't come to this church, but <laughs> they can hold that stance somewhere else. <laughs> But in all of these things, right, and there's, there's many other issues that we could bring up, 
There's many other differences of opinion. We are a broad body with lots of different opinions, lots of different practices. But in what you do, may your goal be the glory of God. In what you do, stand fully convinced on Scripture. Not even a shred of doubt. Someone gave the illustration, um, verse 23 of chapter 14, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith or whatever is not from faith is sin. If you are not fully uh, convinced on this issue, which scripture may not definitively speak on, if you're not fully convinced, it's better to not do it than to take a chance. There's an illustration in uh, one of the books I was looking at. He said, if you had 36 pills and by mistake a poisonous pill had been put with them, would you take one of those pills? I mean, one out of 36 is a pretty good chance. But is it worth the risk that you just might get that one? I think that's a good way to look at it. Unless you are 100% convinced in your mind that you can do this thing to the glory of God, that you should do it, not just that I can, right? Because you can do things that are not good to do that I should do this for the glory of God, that this is a legitimate place to, on which to stand, in which the gospel is not harmed. If you're not 100%, then I would encourage you, don't do it. Listen to your conscience, the Holy Spirit speaking to you, working through you, through the word of God and the conscience that the Lord has given you. But through all of this, let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to his edification. Our goal is the glory of God. I can gladly set aside my rights to love you in the Lord, to edify you to the glory of God. We all have that mindset. I hope that this was not too... Um, controversial. If you have any questions, I, we can talk. Um, but I hope you understand what I'm getting at. Hope you, I hope you are seeing what, what Paul is saying here in Romans 14 and Romans 15. It's not about your freedom. It's about your brother and sister in Christ. It's about the glory of God. We're going to close by simply singing the doxology.